Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Over the Bar podcast. As always, I'm your host, Noah. With me here today, I've got my co-host, Sumer. Sumer, how are we doing today, man? Budski, we're doing well. I mean, you can never get the gang of all three of us together, but uh, <laughs> there are little, little rotations nice here and there. You know what I mean? You know, Nick, Nick, have a, have a week off, okay? I, I had a week off. You have a week off. It's about freshness at this point, you know? We're, we're Pep guardiola this thing. Pep, we're going to use that as a verb. Pep Guardiola-ing. Just a constant oh. rotation. Yeah, I mean, you did a great job mentioning Pep. Shout out, Pep. And you saw what he did this weekend uh, post-match of, of y'all's game? I did. I did see that interview. His very first words to the Sky, Sky Sports crew. Actually, it wasn't even Sky Sports. It was NBC Sports crew. Very first words were, I just want to congratulate the U.S. men's national team on making it to the World Cup. You saw Tim Howard beaming. Well, what's her face? The um, the what's her name? The the host of the show. She was like, it Rebecca Lowe. It was I think it was Rebecca Lowe. She like mentioned she was like, oh yes, you're on on TV for everyone in America. Um, and so then he proceeded to to gain his some popularity within the United States and shout us out for making the World Cup. So shout out shout out Pep for that. Didn't need to do that. <laughs> he Is just brought it up. Quick? So. Is it too quick for the uh, the uh, 2026 Pepsi coach overreaction? Is it too I much of an overreaction? So. I like it. I don't. Th- I don't think so. I don't think so. Lock it in right now. Those are the odds. Um, yeah. No. So speaking of though, like anybody, constant rotation on this show. Anybody? Uh, I feel like I feel like if we were playing fantasy over the bar, people would get mad at us all the time because people just wouldn't be in the starting lineup. Half the time. Yeah, it's like people are, you know, it's, it's NBA type vibes out here. You know, we sit out for, for, for load management. You know, we, we got to take some breaks here or there. We got to stay fresh. Playoffs are coming up. And when playoffs I mean playoffs, and when I mean playoffs, I mean Nations League and friendlies. <laughs> also, I think Nick's sitting out for that big contract. Doesn't want to hurt himself. Got to test the water. Wow. You know, well, I mean, you know, you know everyone, everyone's got to do what they got to do to support their family. But come on, Nick, <laughs> you know, we, uh, we need you out here and you're, you're acting a little selfish at the moment. And I don't know if you deserve this this contract that you're waiting out for. All right, and I, I'm just saying it as I as I see it. Okay, <laughs> I love it. Anyway, Samir, we've got a got a really fun episode today. I'm gonna do, obviously do our, our little little weekly weekend roundup, um, and then I'm thinking we do a deep dive into a few of the positions ahead of you know Qatar. Obviously, we are in full on World Cup mode now. Um, you know, seven months to go until until we're pretty much we're heading heading to the world cup so gonna start this little series here where we start looking at some of the position groups not necessarily talking about who is going who's a lock any of that stuff but especially for all of the u.s fans who are going to be coming in to the sport once the world cup hype starts and once the train really gets going talking about you know who's our player pool who are the names that are on the list so i'm thinking today we kind of start that deep dive all about it, and uh, it's an important topic. You know, who is on the on the player pool? Who is in the player pool? Who has a shot at making it? Um, you know, as everyone knows, the World Cup does not start until November, late November. You got, you know, you got seven, eight months now, whatever it is, until that happens. A lot can change. You see it so many times between a nineteen-year-old to a twenty, a twenty to a twenty-one, twenty-one to twenty-two. And the interesting thing about this World Cup placement is. It's in the middle of a season. So a lot of players who we may see as 
not in form at the moment or whatever, who knows? Maybe they get a club change. You know, maybe a coach change happens midseason. Um, you know, there's so many things that could happen within a club in the offseason and a player that could dictate where they are come October. So it's an sure. important uh, conversation. And this, yeah, like you said, this is not to describe who should be on the plane and who's not. Because like I just said, many things will change. But it's who's to talk about who's who's creeping creeping around, who's maybe, you know, already on, on the bus a little bit, take one step, but, you know, who's around the bus and, and might get on. Exactly. So hopefully today we can, you know, introduce some names to some new names to people, talk about the pros and cons, some old names. And uh, really, I just like to think that this or this um, these deep dives are going to be for Pep Guardiola. So he has a better understanding of the player pool when he wants to take over. I think that's kind of where I'm at. Wow. You're going to you're going you're to send for, it to him for us. This is for Pep. Yeah, I know he's listening okay. out there somewhere. So this, this is for you, Pep. Um, <laughs> let's get into brief weekend roundup, though. Um, definitely some notable U.S. performances, uh, both in Europe and in the MLS. I guess I can get us going. One guy that, that again, for a second week in a row now, I really wanted to highlight, um, not because of his goal or assist contribution, Ricardo Pepe. I, I thought Ricardo Pepe played pretty well against Bayern Munich in their 1-0 loss. A lot to like about what he's doing right now. Obviously, you know, the stats aren't coming. No goals or assists yet again. Uh, hasn't scored a goal, I believe, since November for club or country. Uh, but there's a lot to like in terms of his movement, his hold-up play, his you know connection with with the other players around him, and and it seems like a lot of the times Elsberg are one pass away from really finding him. So definitely a guy who I think it's important to stay positive on, and and somebody that I really wanted to highlight as growing into themselves in the Bundesliga for sure. That's a a great person to mention, and I'm very high on on Ricardo, obviously. And, you know, it wasn't going to be easy for him to transition over there. And again, I'm terrible at, at uh, citing my sources on Twitter, but I saw a tweet that mentioned, you know, Ricardo might be bagging goals in the MLS this season if he was still here. Okay. There's no question about it. He'd probably be doing some Jesus Ferreira type of numbers and, you know, getting on the score sheet, but there's a lot of nuances to the striker position that it takes to last in Europe. And he's probably learning all of those, you know, pressing nuances, you know, just how to play in, in, in Europe in a top five league against Bayern Munich. Like you're not going to get that against Colorado Rapids. You might score three goals against Colorado Rapids, but you're not going to get maybe everything you need in terms besides putting the ball in the back of the net um, that he can be learning right now. So super excited to see him just, just growing. Yeah, definitely. I, I think he's, he's learning quite a bit, and I've seen it this past few weeks. He's becoming a more mature player, and, and you can see the development. Um, who do you got for me? Who, who do you want to mention this week? Yeah, I mean, there's, a, again, a variety of players who, who played this weekend. Um, one player that I thought played really well this week who doesn't usually play or is in and out, and if he does play, you don't see this type of you know, rating from him, is Mark McKenzie. Um, had a really strong performance this weekend for, for Genk um, against RFC. Don't, 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 don't be mad if I butcher Sarring, Sarring, and whatever. Then they're two nothing win, but was really happy to see him. You know, come back into the into the, the into the team and perform at this kind of high of a level. Someone who has potential but is lots of ups and downs. So was really happy to see Mark McKenzie hit the hit the field well this weekend. 
Dude, McKenzie's so weird. Like his club situation weirds me out half the time. He'll like, I feel like he'll sit out for, I don't know, four game weeks, come in, drop a performance. We've never seen him really drop a performance like this. I think this was his best, one of the best performances I've seen him play for Genk. Uh, but he'll sit out for a while, come in, drop a performance similar to this, and then go back to the bench for another like five games. And I really don't understand what's going on at that club too much. Is that just how Belgian soccer works? Like, I don't. I I, I got no idea. Um, you know, he's like I said on a different pod. I know that he was sick one time, then he got injured one time with the U.S. and had to go back. And he's just had these ups and downs. And then on top of that, sometimes he's in form and sometimes he's not. So he's not getting consistent minutes. You topple inconsistency in form along with injuries and sicknesses. And now you're all over the place. So he's having, you know, an adjustment for sure at the moment um, that he's having to do. But to be able to perform like this still when called on um, was really happy to see. That's my, you know, that's my main point was really happy to see this for Mark uh, this weekend. Definitely. Um, I'll stick in the, in the Belgian division for one now too. Uh, Sam Vines, somebody we haven't talked about in, in a long time. I feel like from a U.S. perspective, somebody feels like they've dropped off the radar. And I know a lot of that's been through injury um, was back on the pitch for Royal Antwerp for the first time in what seems like a long time this weekend and performed pretty admirably. Uh, put in, you know, a, a nice seven, eight out of 10 performance and put in some good crosses from what I saw was a, a decent backboard defend or backboard uh, outside back. Like we, like we've used that term a bunch describing Anthony Robinson, but somebody I definitely wanted to highlight as good to see him back on the pitch and somebody who's certainly in the running for our backup left back. Yeah, he, he's in the pack. He might be kind of towards the back. You know, he's lagging a little bit. He's running out of stamina at the moment. He needs a little, you know, what do they call it? something wind second wind second mm-hmm. wind when isn't that what they call it yeah so he needs a little bit of that in terms of getting onto the bus for world cup but super happy to see him you know he's a left back from colorado um right he, that's where he was colorado, yep, colorado. MLS. Yep. yeah so love love to see that from sam um my guy another person i wanted to highlight not so much for their strong performance i actually wanted to mention um chris richards i was not too happy with his performance this weekend i know we love to celebrate performances on here but this is someone, uh, again, I'm not overly, I'm not going to react crazy just because of one bad performance, but um, coming back from the injury still clearly needs some time, but they lost three, nothing to Leipzig. I wanted to mention that just also because Tyler Adams did come on at halftime of that match and, um, and held his own and carried that three, nothing win. So Chris Richards, not looking too bright, got a yellow card and they lost three, nothing Adams coming on at half looking, looking decent and um, continuing his form. Good to see, as, as always, with Adams. I mean, I'd love to see him getting back on the pitch for sure. He's, he's our most important guy in my mind. But staying in the Bundesliga, I'll go with Joe Scali as somebody that, that, you know, getting another performance under his belt, getting another win under his belt, and putting in another very good performance as an outside back. You know, certainly a kid who, at his age, sometimes it even is not looking out of place means you're performing incredibly well. You know, when you're 18, 19, 20 years old, if you're at the highest level and – looking like you belong at the very least that's a, that's a great performance a lot of the time in my mind yeah and he's in a position where he ultimately wasn't ex- even expected to get this much playing time uh this season with Limer still there so yeah consistently still finding a way in the rotation still finding playing time and contributing to the team while he's on the field huge for him huge for him staying on again Bundesliga you know we could talk about Bundesliga we could days. we could we could the home of I, the Americans, second out. Yeah, 
Exactly. I obviously was very sad on Friday, um, as I'm sure you were, and yep. just wanted to mention it with Giovanni Reina's injury. Um, in case anyone didn't see it, he's got another hamstring injury. Um, pulled up in the, what, the first, second minute of the game, walked off the field immediately. He knew exactly what he had done. He walked straight off. There was no need for medical attention. And it's just, you know, disheartening to see um, someone of, of such high class on the field so well respected in the locker room it seems you know it's just a guy trying to trying to become a superstar and he's getting you know pushed back and pushed back and pushed back and you know adversity is not always the worst thing in the world but um I hate to see it on, in the form of injuries so you know wish wish Raina all, all the best and hopefully they just sit him for the rest of the year and he can play some games with us in the summer and come back next season better in tune with his body and in better shape. Dortmund's got hamstring injuries all over the Dude, place. Dude, have you seen the stuff with their medical staff, with Dortmund's medical staff? I love Dortmund, the clubs. I don't want to talk bad about them, but I'm just like, and maybe that was because he played three matches with the U.S. in, in, in the last week or something, but, ugh. Well, Holland's they're getting, they're with... firing their medical staff at the end of the season. Dortmund. Oh, guy. they are? They are. Well, that, because that explains. Like, they've gone through this with, like you said, the hamstring injuries everywhere it seems like every week another guy goes down with a hamstring injury like they asked emory chan post game they were like (laughs) they they were like so why all the hamstring injuries basically and he was like i don't know he's like we train they train but we get injuries (laughs) yeah it's i don't know i think you combine and again love dortmund the club for everything they've done for u.s soccer and i think you combine a coach that loves to to kind of rush people back from injuries with a, a medical team that is being released at the end of the season for basically not doing a, a very good job. And unfortunately these are situations that you, you, you're going to run into. Um, I'll go into a, to a more positive note though. I, I wanted to highlight two guys from the FC Dallas game. Jesus Ferreira, I thought put in another very good performance and, and really looks like he's going to be the striker moving forward. If, if form is any indication to say the least, let alone like, you know what he offers. And I think he offers a lot to a Greg Berhalter system, but it really looks like based on form, he's the guy right now. Another goal. The bigger guy that I wanted to highlight, Brandon Savania, had a wonderful performance for FC Dallas. An assist for the Jesus Ferreira goal. A brilliant goal from range. I, I This kid, I mean, I feel like we said it a couple weeks ago, right? It feels like every year in MLS, somebody kind of jumps out and makes that step to be like, wow, this is a legit, he's a legit player and somebody maybe to, to put on your radar. And it feels like Brandon Cervania might be the guy taking that step. That's the third or fourth week I've, I felt the need to mention him on this podcast. I really, really like him. Super. Yeah, this, this is not the first time we're mentioning any of these FC Dallas boys. And this was going to be a game and a, and a few players that I was going to highlight as well. Um, Cervania has been balling. That entire midfield, again, went with the trio of Americans with Paxton Palmicol, Edwin Cerrillo, and Brandon Cervania. So, again, no, no Paul Ariola, but still Jesus up top, at least starting. And this is a team that has some real, like, like some, a strong center midfield and a strong attack with Obreon and Alan Velasco. They had Paul Ariola come off the bench. We may not, you know, Paul Ariola coming off the bench for your team with Obreon and Velasco on in the MLS. Clearly, you got a, a decently strong team if you can bring him off the bench because he's still a strong MLS player. So, Love to see this from Cervania. And if anyone didn't see his his wicked goal from what 30 yards? Was it how far was that thing? I uh, must have been 
30 yards plus. I didn't, I didn't see the angle that I, that I really wanted though. I, I really wanted like a behind angle to like see how the ball moved because it looks like it knuckled, but like, I want to see like, did the ball move left, right, up, down? Like, I want to see that from behind. I don't know if they have an angle. There's got to be like a fan video or something. You know what I'm talking about? Like, we right, didn't, right, we didn't right. See that angle. Or maybe I, I saw like that. behind the net, but that's not the angle I wanted to see. I know what you're saying. Like, I'd love to see it from behind Savania. Like, that would have been yeah. the angle. Yeah, that's that's the angle I want to see. You know, right now it's still an eh goal. Until I see that FC Dallas admin, um, I'm I'm gonna call it an eh goal. But once <laughs> I see that, I might change my opinion. Um, but what a, what a performance from these guys and, and they're killing it. And it's just a super fun team to watch. And, you know, you look at the likes of them versus the likes of, again, another poor sighting moment of Twitter. Some of these MLS teams, man, someone put it out again. Some care about U S development of players, maybe development of players in general. You know, you look at Portland where not a single player on their roster was a, was a, a domestic player that started. And then you look at teams like FC Dallas where, seven of their eight and it's fine each team wants to go about it a different business but you're gonna you're gonna get a little bit more more fandom for sure you know if you do if you do um focus on some some u.s development and you'll also save some money too all right so i'm just saying that but wicked performance from them for sure for sure And, and that's been a topic of conversation i've seen around twitter these last couple days you know i feel like it goes into the mls attendance conversation and everything like that and i don't really think that mls has an attendance problem um i think it's more of a coverage problem but but certainly i mean you bring up a good point there right you have these teams that are not really doing a lot to entice the homegrown community by you know playing the players developing the homegrown players i feel like if that's the case you're, you're never going to really capture the soul of of the city and the support if that makes sense yeah, a hundred percent. And I mean, Portland still has an astronomical amount of success. They're an amazing club. They have such a cool stadium, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's just worth noting, you know, you can obviously we're allowed to compare teams to teams and you just look at the difference between a team like Portland and a team like Dallas or a team like, you know, Philly, where they have a mix, you know, there's a balance um, instead of one or the other type of thing. So I mean, I'm sure Portland in a year from now will have three 16-year-olds that we're talking about and, and we'll all shut up because we probably could have said similar things about Chicago and, you know, San Jose or, or, you know, some of these teams and then they, you know, start to produce and stuff. And if anyone's not, I mean, at least me, I'm, I'm a nerd, I guess. I'm keeping an eye on the GA Cup right now happening down in, uh, in, Tex- in Texas and just, just, you know, such an interesting format that they have going on down there. So, um it's not to say that Portland couldn't be that couldn't be the union in, in two, three years if they want to be. So, and I think that's the, the point too. Yeah. Is that any club could want to be, it's about having that desire. Um, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Chicago though, in terms of last couple players I wanted to mention from Chicago, actually um, both Gaga Slanina did not keep a clean sheet in this one, but Chicago, what the had heck, like, man, he sucks. Dude. Chicago had like, I think their expected no. goals against was no. like 3.7 something. No. And he let in one. He had a record high saves, like for him, career high saves. Okay, kids, I did see. I did kids see that. Unreal. I did see that. Um, Brian Gutierrez got a. That was red the other card. one I wanted to mention too. But he played well before the red card, and I thought the second yellow was harsh. I mean, automatic. I didn't even see the yellow or the red, but I'm going to tell you right now that bumps him up up my rankings for sure. Red up cards your rankings. Are, red cards are a good thing, and if anyone says anything different, then. And they then they don't know football. Okay, it, 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 as long as you don't become excessive, 
All right. But one or two a season, you know? I like it only because one of the greatest center backs to ever play the game, Sergio Ramos. What do we know that man for? Red cards. Well, Brian's not a center back, and I don't want it to happen in the 43rd minute. I'd rather happen in the, uh, you know, the 85th after you're up or down, whatever. I don't care. 43rd seems a little early. Like he, he, either the ref was a card happy or, or, or you were going in with some harsh challenges. No, you he know? was card happy. I think he gave a yellow card. That's something that's impressive. You said, I think he gave a yellow card in like the second minute, not to Gucci, uh, but to somebody, I don't remember, but set, set the tone. Or are you, are you trying to make the show about you? I don't know, man. He's Mike Deaning this. That's all I know. <laughs> Mike Deaning. Yeah. I mean, you know, as we're talking about MLS, I did want to, um, Kate Cowell did get a nice assist to Jeremy Abobasi for the, in their game for San Jose, they did lose four, three in a wicked game there. Um, Oh, you know, just talking about four, three, it's crazy. Only like three or four of the entire games of this weekend slate were under two and a half goals. I think that's something I got to be paying more attention to for the betting lines. You're telling me the majority of the games, Chicago's game, Philly's game, Austin FC's game and Charlotte's game, which were both on Sunday. Those are the only four games under two and a half goals. Hmm. Everything else was over two and a half goals. If I make a parlay of two and a half over two and a half, I'm 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 probably looking at some success here, man. I'm just I'm just trying to help any betters out there. Uh, some lines. Hey, man. This says Sorry, something. Tan- tangent. No, 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 Sorry, no, 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 no. This says something about MLS defending, but I won't say it because if I speak, if I speak, I will be in trouble. Don Garber's listening. I'm going to be called toxic, bro. We're yeah, out here. but I, yeah, probably are. But um, again, just lastly, before we kind of move on, um, I just wanted to give some, uh, and, you know, you can go after me if you still have some players to highlight, but I did just want to give some honorable mentions this weekend to some players who consistently are playing and we might not get the talking points that they deserve, but i um, still really happy to see Tim Ream, 250 appearances for Fulham. I don't care if you like him or not. That's a ridiculous stat. Um, Anthony Robinson still playing for them and, and, and playing well. Eric Palmer Brown still playing well for Troy's. They did lose two one, but looked looked strong again. Busio again starting in their match. Venezia having some trouble. Look like they might like they're 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 in a relegation spot at the moment, but they have a chance to to fight out of that. Um, James Sands also did get some playing time as well. Brian Reynolds scored a goal. Scored a goal for Kurt Vick. I did see this that. Is not his, this is not his first goal either. Play him at striker. Put him at striker. Luca De La Torre also played. Did you see Hercules' game? They scored in the first minute of the game, and then they lost 4-1. That's what happens. I mean, they just, I mean, they did play Feyenoord, so. Yeah, well, but well, you, go, you score in the first minute, you're like, let's go! And then you come out at the end of the game, you're like, somehow we, we really uh, didn't do well there. I <laughs> love it. No, I love it. Um, great, to, great to obviously talk about all those guys, and, and we got a lot of players doing great things. Speaking of those players, I mean, I don't have anybody else. If you want to t- toss out some extra names, I'll, I'll let you have it. But yeah, come on, give me a, give me a, give me a last, you know, a little quick thirty seconds. Joe Scally also playing well. John Brooks playing well, guys. Come on, CCV also playing well, going at it. Jordan P. Fox scoring another goal. Wish he could do that with the U.S. Men's National Team, but you know, consistently just scoring for them. You know, those are just uh, the last few guys I wanted to man- mention. And then can't forget Christian Pulisic did play, uh, did come in again, our Lord and Savior. Uh, came on at the 46th in a 6 nothing route against Southampton. So I give all the credit to that 6 nothing win to his uh, involvement in the 46th minute and on. 
Absolutely. Dude, we should get you on, on, on pardon the interruption. Those like right, breakdown lists. You got it. I'm PTI, done. call the boys up. Bye. <laughs> so with that being said, let's, let's start kind of to get into a couple of our position groups. Talk about, again, what are the names? Who are the guys that we're talking about from a U.S. men's national team perspective at certain positions to, to, you know, be in the conversation for Qatar. Cause really that's all we're doing. That's all we can do at this point with seven months in is all we can do is, is, is have the conversation, start the conversation, start talking about guys. Um, thinking Sumer, we are going to try. Hold on. Let me just pull up this real quick. Um, I think Sumer, we are going to try today to talk about goalkeepers and outside backs. Does that sound kind of like a plan to you? Yeah, so I mean, I think those two position groups have a lot to talk about. Definitely. And a, little, a lot of interesting, exciting potential, as well as proven potential locks, as right. I would call. And, and I think we can kind of analyze this. We can talk about this from, from a, a couple different perspectives, right? Obviously, each one of these players brings something to the table. They, they lack something in other areas. I think we can analyze this from kind of what our perspective and what we would like to see the U.S. playing and and how we would like to see them playing, but also from kind of a Greg Bearhalter perspective, right? What do these players offer to Greg? What do they detract from Greg's system? What do they offer to us? What do they detract from us? So um, let's jump right into it with the goalkeepers. It's one of the easier position groups. I, I think we've kind of have most of the guys that are in and around the conversation have come to light. And I really can't see anybody that, that we haven't talked about coming to light over the next seven months. I don't know about you. Yeah, there's there's no one amongst the five that we will talk about um, that I believe has any any potential. I mean, I'd love to throw them in, and I don't know if you want me to mention those potential throw-ins now, but I, I you know, it's the Alex Bortos for for Fulham and right. and the and the um, what's Chitria the Dunze. Chit- exactly Chicho Dunze for for Leicester, but it's mainly these five guys that are going to have a, have a battle for the, for the two or three spots, probably three, three yeah. spots. Yeah. Three spots in this world cup roster. So it goalkeeper is a hard position. You very rarely get to rotate position, you know, players anyways. So it's just very unlikely that anyone else pops up out of these five for potential 2022, you know, involvement. Right. And I, I think for me, you know, we talk about the big three guys right now, kind of all vying for the starting spot more or less. And Zach Steffen, Manchester City, Matt Turner of soon-to-be Arsenal, Ethan Horvath of Nottingham Forest. Those are kind of my three guys that are in and around the conversation. And I, and I think it's a unique spot because each one of these guys brings something completely different to the table when it comes to the goalkeeping perspective. For me, Zach Steffen, and I know we've, we've said this before, right? Zach Steffen is our ball-playing goalkeeper for the most part. I mean, that's his reputation. Ball playing goalkeeper has been shaky at times in between the sticks in terms of shot stopping ability. Matt Turner is a shot stopping goalkeeper has been very shaky at times with the ball at his feet. And Ethan Horvath is, is to me kind of a decent mix of both pretty good distribution wise and, and a pretty good shot stopper as well. No, not elite, not at, at Stefan or Turner's level individually with one of those two skills, but I don't know. How do you, how do you see them? That's exactly how I see those three. They're very, I could see all three of them start a game for us and be confident 
necessarily with the lineup. If the lineup was, you know, all 10 players above were exactly what I wanted and it was Stefan or Turner or Horva, I would be like, all right, let's go. Like this, this should hundred percent get the job done. And this, this is a strong lineup. It's going to be super interesting to see where these players are in eight months. What is Zach Stefan's situation? Everyone around it, you know, at the moment says that he's probably going to get a loan in, in, in August. He needs to get a loan so that he can get some playing time here before the world cup. Even if it's a six month loan, I think it'd benefit him. I think it'd benefit the U S men's national team. Um, I think it, you know, I don't know if it'd benefit Manchester City, but I don't really care. But he's someone who the situation for him is going to be really important. Another player, again, right there is Matt Turner. What's his situation going to be come November? Is he going to be at Arsenal sitting on the bench, having played two FA Cup matches in, in a span of, of four months? You know, what's his situation looking like? Then you have a guy like Ethan Horvath, who could potentially be getting regular minutes week in and week out in the championship, potentially next, next you know, next season. Not, and he's already doing it right now. So those three guys, I mean, how much does the situation impact where you, you know, who you want to see start? Because if that's the situation, if the situation is Stefan's still on the bench, Turner's still on the bench, and Horvath is consistently getting minutes, clean sheets, and Nottingham is, is in sixth place and looking to potentially get back into the Premier League for the first time since 1952. Kidding, I just made that date up. What, like, how much does the situation affect, you know, who you, who you might see and necessarily? Yeah, no, no, it's, it's a good question. And I think, so we talk about like form in that sense, right? Form is in, are you playing? Are you not playing? I think it, it matters to a degree. And a lot of that degree is based on position. I think goalkeeper, that position is a position where how much you're playing and how, you know, match fit, match sharp you are. I think it makes a huge difference. And, and I think, you know, a lot of the issues that we've seen creep up with Zach Steffen somebody who we've maybe always seen as, as our number one for a long time. I think a lot of those issues have started to creep up because he hasn't got the playing time, right? You look at, you know, a guy maybe with a little bit of confidence issues, a guy who is very much struggling to stay healthy and that, that plays a factor in. So being the goalkeeper position, I, I think there is something to be said about if one of these guys has stepped up and is playing week in, week out. And, and, you know, with the way it's looking right now, maybe that, that guy could be Horvath, but we don't know. That guy might not be Horvath, right? If, if say, let's say Zach, Stefan, Matt Turner don't get loans, are still the second-choice goalkeeper for both their clubs, and Ethan Horvath slips back below Bryce Samba, then we're, we're looking at our top three guys, none of whom are starting, and, and maybe, I'm not saying that this is something we should do, but, but then, you know, we've got to start looking at some of the other guys in reserves, the other two guys that we've, we've kind of talked about on this list. Yeah, and those other two guys um, are Sean Johnson for New York City FC. I feel as if he's mainly there because Greg calls him up. I don't know if I'd necessarily be like, yeah, he needs to be here. He needs to be here. But you know, we've I think seen his that he's foot like, skills demand his yeah, call up to a degree. He's, he, yeah, he's strong enough. Um, doesn't matter. He, he, he's on this you know list of potentials. And also Gaga Sunina for Chicago Fire, who has been killing it this season, super strong. Like I've mentioned so many times, looks like the part. He's another person. I, I doubt he leaves in July. The, is there anything that might, I mean, is he even 18 yet? I don't know. I don't know if he, he if he can even go over there. I believe he has to, he has, well, so he can, he has a Euro passport. Oh yeah. He um, he's, he's, Pol- he's Polish. Part Polish. Yeah. So, but I, I think Gaga Salina brings up an interesting point. 
because, I mean, we know the interest is there from European clubs. There were rumors floating around before the MLS season even started of a 10 to $15 million bid, which would be the, the record for a goalkeeper um, coming from the MLS, I believe. So uh, those rumors even actually I think it was even bigger it wasn't even record for MLS it was like record for a, a player under 18 or something like that right yeah he's like vocally said he wants to be the most expensive player coming from the MLS to Europe which would be like I think it would be like 18 19 20 million is what they would take something higher than Miguel Amarone no or whatever higher, higher than Pepe I think Pepe was the but Pepe, whatever okay um the point being I, I think he could be playing somewhere at a high level or higher level than the MLS come the World Cup season. I, I don't think it's completely out of the question. And, you know, what does Gaga Slinina need to work on? I think technical ability and his foot skills. If we want to be a team that plays out of the back, I think Slinina has shown this season with the fire that his shot stopping ability is, is already nearing what we have from, from, from our top guys. But obviously the fire don't play out of the back. They, they go long every time. So that, that's something he would need to work on. But it's an interesting thought, really. It's something that I think we may not see tons of with Chicago, but with a variety of games this summer and potential camps and stuff like that, I think he's someone who should definitely, like Sean Johnson does not need to be there in June necessarily. I think that's a great time to call up Selena, unless I don't know when the freaking U20 championships are all happening, but I would love to see him get some time this summer because that's where we're going to see, and that's where Greg will potentially see if he's actually you know ready to go for this um the squad. And yeah, that's like what you said, that's the five that we're looking at right now. That's the people who are all standing outside the bus asking for a ticket. It's, um, it's not as big as a lineup as some others, but we know that because goalkeepers are not a position you, like we talked about, rotate a bunch. And it's really interesting to see who might come out of here because even if Zach Steffen gets alone and Matt Turner's, you know, the backup, but still strong and Ethan Horvath is playing well, is he going to call up just the three most informed goalkeepers? Or is he going to call up maybe the two guys he really wants to see and the third guy, you know, be his, his cheerleader in the office? Because he, you know, he, he, he has stated that he, those glue guys, as, as they called them in the, in the interview recently, which he could easily call Sean Johnson. in if he views him as a, a glue guy for the team type of thing. So it's not even, you know, it's an interesting positional group like they all are, but I think most of the crowd would probably say we're, we'd be fine with Stefan Turner Horvath. And I'd say a lot of the fans have probably turned to Horvath, sorry, to Turner recently with the last, with the last, uh, uh, what's it called? Round of world cup qualifying, not being Zach's best. Like you said, there's, there's a lot of room before November. Um, another position, obviously let's, let's move on to a little bit of a deeper position then. So outside backs, our right and left back. We know that we're going to most likely, barring a massive change in system, play with a back four in Qatar. Uh, you know, outside back, a right back and a left back um, who are going to be asked to get up and down the pitch, supply crosses to the best they can, and, and you know, be a general link-up player down their respective flanks. So in terms of, of you know, who those guys are, there are – a lot of names in contention here. A lot of names that we've seen throughout World Cup qualifying. A lot of names that we haven't, but could make a breakthrough. One guy, I think, let, let's, let's start with the right backs then. I think, obviously, we've got Serginho Dest as probably the, the lead candidate right now. As a guy who can 
offer width and offer great link-up play is, is probably our most, one of our most technically skilled players um, anywhere on the pitch, but who struggles to put in some crosses, I would say, is one of Death's weaknesses. Uh, we've got some other guys who have been in contention there, you know, DeAndre Yedlin, Reggie Cannon, Brooks Lennon, Shaq Moore. All these guys have kind of been in that conversation. I mean, Sumer, I guess I'll turn to you. You know, what are some of the things that, that some of those guys bring that, that maybe Des doesn't? Yeah, there's a variety of guys here who have contributed in the last year or in specifically World Cup qualifying. A lot of these guys, DeAndre, Brooks Lennon, Shaq Moore, Reggie, Joe's been there, um, or Joe at least was there in, in the last year. Same with, same with uh, Brian yeah. Reynolds. Yeah. Same with Brian Reynolds. So all, at least six of these guys here, have World Cup qualifying or experience with us in the last year. Joe Scally is someone who offers a lot of positional fluidity, mm-hmm. um, being able to be versatile at both right and left back. Reggie Cannon is someone who technically uh, has some positional fluidity as well in terms of he has played center back for Bodavista. I don't think I'd rate him as a center back, but he has played a bunch of games for them there. So those two guys do bring a little fluidity. DeAndre Yedlin brings a lot of experience. You know, you saw, we all saw the behind the, behind the crest video where he was, you know, talking real high on the team and his second chance. He brings a lot of experience. I personally don't believe Brooks Lennon or Shaq Moore will be anywhere close to the bus, but they're on this list because they have had, you know, a load of experience. And we just saw in a moment of doubt when players are injured and COVID and blah, 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 blah. The next guy he called was Shaq Moore. So he's still on this list. And this is a, a deep list. I mean, you, you, you look at this list and you, you, men, and you just go down the list. You go Des, Reggie, Joe, DeAndre, you know, Brian Reynolds. you got some high-level right-backs here. There will, be, there will be somebody who's left off who's, you know, could easily have made the team, um, right. you know, for a variety of reasons. So you talked about Dest. I think that, like I said, I think Joe Scally brings a lot of, a lot of positional fluidity, and he's my front-runner to probably be the second guy. But what do you see in some of these guys that might be beneficial? Right. No, so I, I see, I'll talk, I talk about it a lot. I don't know. I've talked about it a lot on this podcast about guys who bring different aspects of the same position. That for me is why I like Joe Scally so much. Um, Joe Scally is not your, your modern day fullback per se, where they're offense first kind of getting up. The, I mean, Joe Scally is still going to get up and down the pitch, but he is very much a, defend first kind of player who can play both right back and left back. Like you said, positional fluidity, but I love Joe Scally because Joe Scally is going to defend and he's going to be a phenomenal one V one defender. His positional awareness is going to be good. And he's not going to offer you as much going forward as say a Dest or a Yedlin, but he's going to offer you cover and maybe then give an opportunity for the other left back for the left back to then get high of the pitch or the right back. If he's playing on the left, the other outside back, he's going to offer them a lot more freedom just simply by being on the cover and, and the best one V one defender on the pitch. I love Joe Scali for that. Um, I'm with you. I, I think Yedlin is Yedlin brings experience. Yedlin brings athleticism. And that's about it. I don't really think Yedlin brings a whole lot of technical quality to the pitch. I don't think he's a good crosser of the ball. I I think he brings energy and, and experience. And, you know, those are valuable tools for sure. For sure. Um, 
I don't know. I, I think the one thing that stands out about this is that I don't see a good crosser of the ball on this list of the, like the kind of main guys that we mentioned. I know we have a couple yet to mention, but I don't see any good crossers of the ball soon there. Which is yeah, but between these six, I wouldn't say crossing is their forte. Um, Maybe the Brian Wo- Reynolds is the best crosser, but I don't know. If the World Cup was tomorrow, I'd put my money on Des and Yedlin. But my whole thing is, I think Scally, and like you just said, it is is it should be and can be that number two. And we have a lot of opportunities to get him into you know the system. And this summer, I would I hope is heavily used for someone like him to just rake up experience. And if he has the experience that I want to see this summer and in the coming months, I don't see why it can't be him. And I think having someone like him, like Dest, and then having someone like Scally, having two different positional type of players, and then along with that, also having someone who can play both sides of the defense is so strong. And you just with a twenty three man roster, yes, it could change to twenty six. You have to be so strategic. And so smart. So he's someone who fits that bill. Um, but to just carry on, obviously we've mentioned these six. Um, a few other guys who are shouting their names out from the back with pitchforks, but maybe aren't being heard too loud. Nathaniel Harrell for Philadelphia Union has come onto the scene, and I've talked about him before. He's come onto the scene for the Union, started the last five games that they've all won in a row. They're the lone undefeated team in MLS, and they have a filthy strong backline that consists of a teenager from Florida starting at right back, and he's been killing it. He's both been offensive, very impressive this year. Yeah, both offensively, you know, with some balls in the box. We've had two goals scored by him putting it into the box. Uh, defensively, athleticism-wise, he's an athletic dude. He can get up on corners. He ain't afraid to go. Like, he missed a header this past weekend, and everyone was just, like, in their hands in their head. Like, how did he just miss? Because he's that athletic and that for being not even what? He's probably 5'11", 5'10". He's not a big guy. Something like that, yeah. Another guy is Kyle Duncan playing in the Belgian League. You know, for what – how do you pronounce that team's name? Osterunde. I'm not even going to try. Yeah, but another right back there who was playing very well for, for the New York Red Bulls, transitions over to Europe, you know, here and there, getting some good good moments, good time, played this weekend, um, just another person shouting their name out. And then someone shouting their name out all the way from the back is Mauricio Cuervas, um, the right back for Club Brugge. I believe, I forget which LA team he was with before. I believe but it was like Galaxy. With, was it with Galaxy? He's had his ups and uh, he's had his in and outs or whatever, had, didn't have a club for a little bit but is now with the, with the Club Brugge second team and getting some good time with them. So just those are three players that are shouting from the back that, you know, we, we do this whole thing because there's so much time. We want to analyze the whole group and talk about players who are screaming from the back, who in eight months could be in different spots. If Corpus is balling with Club Brugge come November and they're sitting first in the Belgian league, it's going to be something to think about. Do I think it will overtake potentially Scali, someone who should be starting in the Bundesliga? Maybe not, but it's... He'll be in the conversation uh, for sure. I, I yeah. think Nathaniel Harrell is a guy who who I think could really be in the conversation. Um, you know, maybe not maybe not for, for Qatar. Obviously, that's a long shot, but he, I don't know, Harrell looks like the real deal to me. Like you said, both sides of the ball, he, he's an absolute athlete. And that, it doesn't come at the expense of technical ability. So many times we see 
guys who are athletic, especially in the MLS, sacrifice technical ability for that. And it doesn't seem as though it's, it's affected Harold too, too much. Um, it would be very interesting to see if he, he ends up somewhere else in Europe over the next coming months. I doubt it. I think he, he'll, he'll stay a little bit in MLS. I mean, see, remember, Probably I mean, too is soon. he, is he too soon. going to be 20 or is he going to be 19? That's, I forget which side of that's is. a question I should know, but um, <laughs> what's it called? He is 20. He just turned, he just 20. turned 20. That's what I thought. Yeah. Oh, no, so, no, 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 no. He's going to turn 21 on April 23rd. Okay. So, okay. So guy who, who, you know, I think he's then of the profile then to, to maybe get a move and not have to stay in MLS if he, if he performs at a high level for, for a whole year. But I don't know. I, what, what's, what do you like about Harold? I know that you have more experience with him than I do. I just think he's such a, um, a prospect athletically, and like you said, I, I love what I see from him, both defensively. He's not, not timid to get stuck in. Um, he has the, the build um, of, of a right back that I could, that I could see playing along for a long time. You know, he's not, he's taller than Des, but, you know, stronger than, he, he just has a, a, a good build for an outside back as well. Fast, strong, not timid, good in the air. You know, you name it, and I've seen spurts of it these, these last five games. Crossing putting the ball in the back of the box. You should see his goal against, we talked about it a few weeks ago against NYCFC at Yankee stadium. He just rifles the ball on the ground with his right foot through the entire six yard box to find Daniel God's dog on the back post. And that's just like, boom. And it was a ping of a ball, you know, through the six yard box type of thing. So uh, super happy with him. Like you talked about, he's probably not going to, not someone for 2022, but he's shouting his name from the back. And if he, you know, if we come November and the union are in the, you know, conference finals or whatever MLS Eastern conference finals. And he's started 30 out of 34 games in the regular season. And they just won the supporter shield. He's going to be someone I'm talking about even more. So, you know, this is all about players who are screaming and their positions, sorry, not their positions, their situations could dictate, you know, how far up they go on this ranking, but right back is such an interesting player pool. We do have a really strong top loaded part, you know, with Dest, Cannon and Scally and Yedlin as well, I'd say. So, you know, it's going to be a question mark. One of those guys is going to have to be left off. Two of those guys are going to have to be left off. Right. Definitely, I think right back is one where we're looking to – this is going to sound weird. We're, we're almost looking to eliminate guys. Not like obviously looking to eliminate them, but, it, but it's about who gets weeded out. Whereas left back, to me, is a position where we're, we're looking to fill. There is potentially a vacancy here at the left back position at the back of left back position, as from what we know right now, where we don't know who that guy's going to be. And, and not because it's so top loaded, but because it seems like that's a position that is wide for the taken and no one has really, really laid claim to it. I, would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, totally. Yeah, you're right. It's totally different than the right back spot. You know, it, the right back spot is a, is a, is a spot that's loaded. And it's just a matter of who, who should it be? Who, who is it going to be left back? Like you mentioned perfectly, you know, obviously Anthony Robinson is sitting at the top of that. And, you know, I'd put my life savings on if he doesn't have COVID or is injured, he's on that bus on that plane, but that backup spot, it's uh it's interesting. Everyone might claim that at the moment, again, if the world cups tomorrow, it's probably George Bello. Or Daniel Lovitz, one of the two. You Daniel know, Lovitz. Oh goodness! Is it, 
it's it's a it's a major toss up in in my house to be honest. Um, but there's <laughs> there's some other guys on this list at left back that I think people should know that people should be thinking about. One of them for me is Jonathan Gomez, playing from Real Sociedad too, as we've talked about. You know, just moved from Louisville City from the USL, and is you know been a part of the team with Real Sociedad's first team as well in multiple occasions. Not someone we were even expecting to probably get playing time in the first team this season, you know, maybe, maybe towards the end, but somebody who could potentially make that jump right into August, you know, if, if, they, if he has a strong preseason mm-hmm. and then it's someone we're talking about totally different. This is a starting left back potentially in La Liga, right. um, pocketing Usman Dembele and Aubameyang, which is very easy for an American. Don't worry. But um, he's somebody who, who I rate really high and is someone who this whole time frame could, could benefit for sure. For sure. For sure. No, I, I think I think he's the perfect example. Jonathan Gomez, Jogo, is the perfect example of, of what you were saying earlier, right? Where their club, his club situation, a drastic shift in that provides a drastic shift in his World Cup standing. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, he's still a dual national. He has yet to commit to either us or Mexico. I think if he starts to break in to Real Sociedad's first team, there is going to be a war for his signature. And, and I genuinely think that he is a guy who is going to be a household name in, in five, five months. I really do. Yeah. Every, everyone's going to know him. Uh, it's just a matter of time. And, and, and Bello, Bello has been killing it. No, no discredit to Bello, Bello, George Bello for Armenia Bielefeld from Atlanta United is, is killing it. He's gone up the ranks from the 17s to the 20s, to the 23s to now the, the national team. And, no discredit to him playing in the Bundesliga and, and doing it well. You know, um, another person on this list, whether you claim him as a left back or not, is Kevin Paredes, who is just got his debut this past weekend. Should have shouted him out in the weekend, you know, roundup. But should have. But congrats to Kevin. Uh, and if anyone didn't see him getting sturdy after the match, uh, go check out the U.S. Men's National Team only post. He was he was hitting some moves. He was looking he was. good. I love I, I love him. You know, the little DMV guy, but. He's not someone who I necessarily think will be in 2022, but is a left back, left wing back, left wing, who's an interesting prospect and, you know, someone to keep on the radar for sure. Yeah, I, li- I like Kevin Paredes. I like the conversation about Kevin Paredes. It's, it's a fascinating one because, like you said, you don't really know what his best position is. Is he a left back? Is he a right wing back? Is he a left wing? Is he a right? He's played so many different positions over his career um, and, and played them all relatively effectively. I think... What Kevin Paredes offers that a lot of our other right backs or sorry, left backs don't necessarily offer is weirdly end product goals and assists more so goals. Um, Kevin Paredes, especially at his time with Dallas was not with Dallas with uh, DC United, excuse me, was pretty, pretty known for getting on the end of balls into the box, arriving late from an outside wing back position and finishing off chances. And I think that's something that he still has the ability to do at Wolfsburg. Um, Wolfsburg play, obviously, with a 3-4-3, meaning that Paredes is, is when he was used, he was used as a, as a left wing back, and it looks as though that's where he's going to, to be in that team when he gets more chances. Again, a guy whose who's club situation is going to dictate you know his future when it comes to Qatar and everything like that. But for me, he's a guy who offers something different, and I really like that. I'm a big fan of... of Position, not only positional fluidity, but fluidity within a position group. I, I totally understand what you're saying. And I think, and I hope hopefully the listeners do as well. He is such an interesting player. 
Um, is he maybe built the same way that we claim left backs? You know, we look at other left backs. Maybe not. He's a little bit more of a, of a skinnier type of guy, and that's why I think some people toss him at left wing back and and left winger is to potentially not expose him. But I do think he's strong defensively. That's the thing is he 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 has strong uh, defensive awareness. Is he the strongest guy and might lose out the physical battle here and there? Yeah, mm-hmm. but you know, depending on the situation, he could be, you know, really important to the team, whether we want to change up formations, whether we want to, you know, be dynamic in, in some form. He's, you know, like I said, a very interesting player um, at the left back position to look out for. Definitely. I, I think one person that I want to mention and, and, and as somebody who definitely has crept into my radar more so over the past month or so, uh, Dewan Jones plays for, I believe the Revs, right? Yeah, the refs. Yep. Uh, New England Revolution. Duan Jones has kind of slowly been creeping up people's lists over the past couple of months. Um, he was briefly rumored to be the player coming in for DeAndre Yedlin as opposed to Shaq Moore um, during the, the last World Cup qualifying window. It was briefly rumored to be him, obviously, just because he would be stateside already. Uh, we didn't know at that point that Shaq Moore was also stateside. But he is a player where I, I think he could be in the mix. I mean, obviously, he Dewan Jones offers positional fluidity as well, uh, similar to Joe Scallion, that he can play right back or left back. And that has been, has been used by the revolution at both right back and left back. What impresses me about Dewan Jones uh, is his crossing ability. He doesn't rack up the assists necessarily. And, and, you know, part of this might be the fact that he spent a year now crossing to, to Buxa from the Revs who is basically impossible to miss with a cross. That man is about 10 feet tall, but <laughs> still his crossing ability has, has impressed me both in, you know, his, his actual delivery and delivery and the variance of his delivery in terms of, you know, high, low, medium crosses. Somebody like Shaq Moore, I'll use this as an example. Shaq Moore tends to put in a good ball, but can only put in like middle height crosses. I've never seen Shaq Moore put in a deep cross, a high cross, and I've never seen him put in a good low cross. I mean, if you're good at one thing, stick to it, okay? Fair <laughs> enough. But Duan Jones impresses me because his versatility in his crossing game is, is something that I like. It's very he's, – he's an interesting prospect. I believe he went to, uh, to Michigan State before the New England Revolution and was actually mm-hmm. drafted, I believe, if I'm not wrong. Um, and in the last, from July basically to, to now, he's made this jump from midseason last year. This is the exact jump we're talking about. In July, you have, you have seven, eight months. In the, already this season, five games, two assists. All right. He, he's a really interesting left back to, to look at. Like you said, he, he's really good at crossing. Gets the ball in the box. And he, I've seen a lot of New England Revolution goals come from his direct involvement on the wing. Somebody I look at for sure. Especially within this there? Greg Bearholder system, though. That's that's what I mean. Uh, he's and he's been called up. When when was he called up recently? Was it January that he was called up? He was called in the two weeks cupcake, before. Yes. Yeah, and, and or was it that December one? One of the two he was called up for. Just a strong left back, young. What is he? Twenty. He's twenty four. I guess he's still a little older than than most, but just somebody to, that's also in the pool to think about. And I think if if there's injuries or whatnot, whatever. He's somebody to look at and uh, as a potential prospect. He's just a strong MLS left back for the Revs. Even though they're playing dog shit right now, he, you know, consistently is able to shine 
and someone that we should all just keep on keep on keep on the radar, keep on the list. He's somebody that you know, with the right spurt, with the right momentum, could make a difference. But probably don't see it. But just somebody to keep on the radar. Another one of those guys for me is John Tolkien, of the New York Red Bulls. Somebody again. Yeah. You talk about <laughs> yeah. that was a hair reaction, wasn't it? Sorry, I had a I had a hairball. My bad. Ah, there you go. Uh, no, John Tolkien, somebody who I think kind of sooner that that same time jump really as Duan Jones, um, maybe a little bit sooner. He, you know, uh, he John Tolkien was doing it for the majority of last season as opposed to just that kind of the end. But somebody who who kind of over the past year, year and a half has stepped up and and been a consistent performer for New York Red Bulls and has been, you know, honestly one of their best at times. Um, you know, not necessarily getting forward. He's not as offensive of, a, of an outside back as maybe we're used to seeing from, from a USMNT perspective, but somebody who definitely is going to have their name in the pot. And their hair in jo- the pot too, actually. Yeah, his, his, yeah, he's a, he might be somebody that we just call up due to their, you know, beautiful, stunning hair. I mean, is that we call in DeAndre Yedlin? That's what I was going to say. If if Greg did ever say I'm calling up John Tolkien because he, you know, is a marketable tool, I'd be fine with it. Now, if he just called him up and didn't say that, I might be question. I might be hesitant. But if he blamed it on the marketability of his hair, I would not be opposed. A big, big, big marketing guy over here. You know, big, big love the marketable mm, signings. Mm, you know, mm. so lots of hair product on, sponsorships coming in that way. Dude, him and Troy Polamalu doing head and shoulders would be beautiful. Make and then Patrick now. Mahomes too. Oof, that'd be, that'd be a beautiful. That's a trio right there. But yeah, another another just MLS left back looking strong, young prospect, strong defensively. Again, I love when outside backs are, are the type to get stuck in, and he's definitely not opposed to getting stuck in when he needs to, and can also you know he has the ability to to get on the back of something too, which is which I've seen before. So Tolkien's on the radar. Talking somebody who who's who's shouting at the back with a pitchfork for sure. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think it does come down to right, you know, for me, it's it's more likely than not barring injury, barring COVID, whatever it may be. It's Jedi Robinson and and then the rest, more or less. Um, that that rest is probably going to consist of George Bello, Jonathan Gomez, Sam Vines, and or maybe Kevin Paredes. Uh, more likely than not, we're going to see either Joe Scally used there as a left back, which I wouldn't hate either. You know, th- those are other options too. We talk about these guys who can play both left back and right back, maybe moving fluidity, right? We, we could see technically three of the guys we've, we have as right backs on our list and one of the guys we have as left backs. But if that third guy is Joe Scally, well, then we really do have two left backs and two right backs kind of thing, if that makes any sense to me. Yeah, and then it makes you wonder what do you want to do with that potential that spot at backup left back that you have? Do you want another traditional left back when you already have one, or do you want someone who can play a different style potentially? Right. And uh, I, I, I believe that it'll be Bello and and, Je- and Anthony Robinson, but I don't think I've expressed how you know I am very excited by Bello, very very happy to see his progress. He's a Bundesliga starting left back. What do you um, like? Or at about least quality. I I think he. Adds a lot going forward. I think okay. he's, you know, a pacey, strong, um, attacking-minded player at times. And, you know, we saw at what was that game a few weeks ago when he was basically playing left wing and 
you know, has the technical ability to, to move in and out of defenders and, 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 and do certain things. You know, I'm just, I'm high on the player. I'm high on the situation. I'm high on the potential for him. And, you know, very, you know, that's, that's a lot I have to say for Bello. And Definitely. I think it'll probably be him. I, I like Bello. I mean, like, I, I think I have the same question marks about Bello that I had when he was an Atlanta United player. Um, I, have, I have some questions about the defensive solidity. You talk about a guy who gets stuck in. George Bello, to me, is not a guy who really gets stuck in too often. I think this is, has improved a bit in Germany. Um, I think his technical ability has certainly improved in Germany, and that's always something that I've really rated him, right? His, his short passing ability, his link-up play has always been something I've rated and has only gotten better at, at Armenia Bielefeld. I have some questions over the final product as well. Similar questions that I had about Anthony Robinson, about can he produce that final ball? We know he can get into good spaces. Can he produce the final ball? Similar questions to who's, you know, Sergio Des as well. We know he can get into good spaces. Can he produce the final ball? Um, but yeah, definitely somebody to watch out for. I think is probably leading the pack right now. I would love to see Jonathan Gomez get more shots this summer. Personally, is where I'm standing. Yeah. And you look at both these position groups, obviously they're positioned a little bit differently. One, like we talked about high loaded versus, or we're just trying to find the potential second, but long list on both of them, you know, of, of guys who in the right situation, in the right playing time, you know, with, you know, coming into October next season with the potential experience this summer with, you know, the first team and Greg, they could see themselves there. You know, if, if Jogo Paredes, Vines, Dejon Jones, John Tolkien, and someone we didn't mention, Caleb Wiley, who I, who's a huge long shot, but another MLS left back that's playing well for Atlanta United. If any of them take the opportunity at their hands this summer and do get that experience, it's not to say that they couldn't jump up these rankings and in Greg's mind and in our eyes. For sure, for sure. Um, I, I think that's going to do it for our outside back and goalkeeper conversation. We will be addressing the center backs next week, uh, so tune in for next week's conversation. We'll obviously be doing another weekend roundup. And then going into the center back pool. I know the center back pool is something that I am very passionate about, Sumer. I know you have a lot to say about a lot of our center backs. We've got a very, very deep pool. Um, so definitely tune into that next week. For sure. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of center backs all over the place. MLS, Europe, playing time, positionally, youth, old, you name it. We got someone there. And it's just a matter of who's going to, you know, who, who are we leaving out and who, who, who's hopping on the plane. It might be the only positional group where we have an active blacklist, where Greg Bearhalter has an active blacklist, a do not call, do not resuscitate list, which makes this conversation even better. No, he has, he has, he has two of those. The second one is Bill Hamid. Uh, um, he's, uh-huh, he's, uh-huh. he's shunned him from, from any opportunity to shine with this you know team. Who hasn't shunned Bill Hamid? Sierra Leone. I don't Surprise, care. Sierra Leone call up for Bill Hamid. No, anyway. Thank you all so much again for joining us. We've had a blast today talking, you know, talking to USMNT with you guys, talking position groups, talking weekend roundups, all this stuff. Again, we're going to break down center backs next week, next week. So make sure you tune in for that. Make sure you guys leave us a nice rating on Spotify and Apple music or whatever you listen to really, really helps the podcast grow, share with your friends, family, teachers, pets, don't care who Um, let us know on Twitter what your thoughts are on the outside back conversation for for this week. and, And let us know on Twitter. Uh, what your thoughts are on the center back conversation for next week. We are super active on Twitter at OTB underscore pod official. You can follow our personals from there. We are active on those as well. Um, Go harass Nick Mansky for not being here for sure. For sure. For sure. Let him know he doesn't deserve the contract. Sumer, any last words before we wrap it up? 
No, no, ciao, ciao, tutto bello, tutto bello. Thanks so much, baby.